Welcome everybody to the Spawn of Me podcast. What is going on everybody in podcast land, everyone in Twitch land. It's episode 243 of our show. We are so excited to have you all rocking with us this week and every week. Uh, what up to everybody in the chat? What up to everybody listening? Uh, again, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. As per usual, I uh, want to give it up to my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who makes NASA look good, the man who makes mini froze look good, the man who makes tutoring look good, the man who makes science look good and STEM look good. It is Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing good. It's been in the 90s almost all week. Uh, so it's been a little sticky, uh, but every time I feel like it's a little too hot, I remember the oppressive East coast, 90 degrees and, and I start <laughs> to feel good. Cause, cause 90, I can deal with here when it was 90, when I lived in Philly or Jersey or New York, it was like, it, that's when the heat index was like, just push it way up. So can't complain too much of, about yeah, a Midwestern. It's feeling feel a little bit degrees. better. Is it, is it, so is it as muggy or is no, it just like kind of muggy? It's not muggy. I mean, it's not, it's not muggy at all to me, really. Like it, it can get muggy, but it doesn't often get muggy. Um, okay. and the other thing is like, um, I live like right near Lake Michigan. So I get a lot of the breeze too. So, so, oh, okay. Um, that makes sense. So I, yeah, yeah. I think the summers here are, are, are great. Like, like that's one thing I didn't think as much about when I moved to the Midwest. I just thought about the cold of the winter. But yeah. but the summer is great because it rarely gets super hot. Um, so okay, you know, that's good like to know because I've always wondered what the weather out that way is because I only hear about the freaking fro- frozen tundra bullshit that y'all have to deal with <laughs> in Milwaukee yeah, and Chicago. It, it does get so crazy like, over I, the winter. But I also hear like Chicago summers are like really beautiful and and lovely and stuff like that. I guess I guess the best person to ask is our Duchess of Diversity <laughs> from I Need Diverse Games and all other places that are dope. It is Tiny to Pass. What's up, Tiny to Pass? How you doing? Man, this weather, it's either hot and raining or it's like 20 degrees cooler the next day. <laughs> it's like, it's like doesn't know what it wants to do. It just does what it wants kind of weather. Yeah, because it's just like I had the fan on earlier, turned it off. Now it's like I got a window open and it's cold. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing though, right? It's like I... Weirdly, I mean, Portland hasn't been that bad in terms of weather. We get like the eight months of rain and then you have like four months of just like beautiful weather that everyone wants to just run around and go outside and do do the the hangout thing. Um, And it's been pretty nice out here, actually, of late. Um, If I wasn't doing the show tonight, I'd probably go ride my bike down by the water and go chill out there because it's really pretty. Um, Well, why don't you podcast while riding your bike? Just like hook your computer up to the side. And I get a long extension cord and just go ride. Well, here's the thing. So if you are a, a watcher or a follower of our IG uh, account, our Spawn On Me podcast and Instagram uh, account, you may see some new content coming from, from me uh, over there. We'll figure out ways to maybe get the other parts of the crew involved on that side, too. If they have time and they want to just be out on the side, be like this with a camera like this, looking like they on TV, like IGTV which is the new thing, the newfangled thing, which is really interesting too. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about that as a, as a side project that, uh, you know, Instagram has kind of pushed out into the world where everything is vertical. It's all vertical video, which is <laughs> super weird, super weird. So like, you're supposed to look at it like this on your phone as opposed to doing it the usual way that most people look at their content. So it'll be really interesting to see how that checks out and how that stuff looks. And we may play around with that stuff too. Cause it's always nice to get new tech in our hands and, and mess around with that stuff. But we are here for, <clears throat> excuse me, here for episode 243. Uh, thank you again for listening to last week's show. Uh, it was super dope. Uh, we had a lot of good feedback from that show. Actually, uh, people were really excited about all the stuff that we got and kind of talked about all our E3 uh shenanigans we didn't really get a chance to, to talk about that stuff with tanya because tanya wasn't here last week is there any e3 stuff that you wanted to to share or thoughts or gripes or <laughs> whatever whatever about about your first e3 because it was your first e3 which is which is very very different i don't know how candid can i be about my gripes i mean be be real about it we, we all family here can't, i don't ever want to go back yeah yeah it was hot as fuck we yeah. it was it was a bad start because my bag got stolen and a lot of the stuff that i was doing is just like the same stuff that a lot of the public was doing so 
Yeah. Just it was like like the Bandai stuff I did was like I'm in the same theater with the public and it's like well I got a media badge for what mm. you know sh- yeah. shout out to Ubisoft though because they had all this stuff in meeting rooms for the media we got a chance to like you know hands on with games get interviews so uh, it just felt it was a lot and it didn't feel like an industry show it just felt like a really big PAX mm. to me yeah. Uh-huh. yeah 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 it's it's it and I tell people all the time too it's like your first E3 is really hard to gauge too. Cause it's just so many different things that you have to, especially if you're trying to cover the show, it's really difficult uh, for folks who are first trying to cover that show who have never been. Um, but I can totally, I, I mean, it's, and it's also weird because it's like a year that again, the public is there. And if you haven't been to ones before that had, where it was just the press, I can totally see that as being like a, um, a take that, that people would have coming back from that show yeah um, i mean i mean we stood outside for what an hour and a half to get in the xbox event and yeah. you know and i know that's part of it but it was just like i could have been at home with a beer watching this on twitch yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah so i mean yeah. it, it was good to say i've gone but i don't know i just still feel like there should be an industry version and a public version I think I think the one thing that I'm hoping that they do uh, before we pivot um, is they started to do press hours this year, which they did not do last year. Um, and press hours, at least at least in the stuff that I was trying to to get into, uh, did feel like it helped a lot to try to buffer that from the public folks who were there. The one issue that slowed everybody down, like we talked about last week, was the security part. Yep. Which was which was horror bad, mm-hmm. um, and just and just slowed everybody down. So it didn't really do that separation that we needed to be able to get things done in a way that we that we wanted to. But work. Um, it was good. To, it was definitely good to have you there, though, to be able to like see you go through some of the some of the stuff that was in that in that kind of spectacle, which was kind of cool uh, from the outside looking in. That was that was dope. Um, so. Uh, let's see. Let's dig into uh, some of the sh- some of the shows. Some of the shows. I can't talk. Wow. I've been talking all day today. <laughs> I've been talking all day today on chat with my IT job. So like my brain is shot. Um, let's talk about some of the stories for this week. Um, and there's a dope one from Nathan Grayson over on Kotaku who's talking about this feeling of getting bored and walking away is how most of the games that he plays uh, is ending for him. Um, he kind of talked about some of the games that he's been playing, which was like uh, uh, Zelda and Far Cry and Persona and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and kind of leaving those games with this feeling of being fairly bored um, and not really getting the same kind of joy that he was feeling other people have uh, while playing some of these kind of really interesting and and some of the best titles, at least for me, that have come out in in a while. Um, I kind of want to go around the table and kind of ask folks, you know, what are your feelings about that particular stance? Is it, do you feel like the games that you've been playing of late have left you kind of wanting or, or have left you in this space where you're just not really excited about either the whole process of going through those games or, or better yet, even the ending of some of that stuff. Um, I'm going to start off with you, Reef. I mean, I think that I can understand the article given the games that he, that he's talking about. Most of the games that are mentioned in the article are these big AAA 60-plus hour games or these, like, never-ending games, right? And I think that if you limit it to those, then yes, those games require such a large time commitment. And if you're a completionist, they require an even larger one. And oftentimes mm. there's a lot of padding in there to make them that long. Um, and I think that there's definitely a time where sometimes I'm playing some of these longer games and I either have to take a break and come back to it. Um, or, or I just feel like, man, I could have been like 10 hours shorter, you know, when, yeah. when, when, when I do finish it. So I do f- feel that a lot, but that's one reason that I love, love, love indie games, because if I can play a game that's four or five, six, seven hours, that's awesome. I'm good. You know, if it yeah. tells a complete story and and it's something that I can manage with all the other stuff that I'm doing, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like this year, I've, you know, I've 
I've enjoyed that with like uh, Celeste and like Yoku's Island Express, and I'm playing through like a Hollow Knight now. There's like really, yeah. really high quality stuff that you can reasonably finish that I feel like almost doesn't give you time to get bored um, because they kind of pack a lot of stuff into a smaller package. So I feel like this article was really aimed towards some of those larger experiences. And my suggestion would be just switch it up, man, play some smaller experiences um, that don't like rely on you, you know, having to, you know, collect a million things like before you can advance to like the next level and stuff. Yeah. Tanya, what are your thoughts about, about that kind of feeling of not being satisfied by the stuff that you're playing? I mean, I can understand it because, you know, on the one hand, because we stream a lot, um, there's that I need to play kind of what's hot now, which I don't like and I don't I try not to ascribe to. But there's yeah. also the hype that comes around games and the if you're not playing it, then you're out of the loop in conversation. Or um, especially with a game like Horizon Zero Dawn for me, I played it and I played it more of a I'm interested to see where this goes, but I kind of don't have the same opinion as a lot of people. And I feel at least like if I'm going to not like a game, I should have a reason for not liking a game. And if I'm going to discuss it or pitch an article or stream it, I'm going to try to get through it. Like I, Horizon Zero Dawn is one of the few games I've finished on stream as well as God of War. But mm-hmm. unlike a lot of people, I'm not feeling Horizon Zero Dawn. I call it White Savior Simulator. And uh, I had people really not like that. And that was one of the few games where I just felt like, that was okay, but I, that's hours I could have spent doing something else. Um, yeah. Versus the other games that he mentioned where, you know, it can be a game I come and go to because I... I'm trying to articulate something where it's like it, it's part emotion, it's part being part of the industry and part of people that talk about games, but it's also feeling like you got to get value for your money when your time and your money is limited. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. So it's like... I. Because we've seen it with other media, not just games, where it's like, if you don't like a game or if you're not running out and buying like the deluxe edition or whatever's brand new and hot, then it's like, well, are you really a gamer or you can't be part of these conversations you see going around on Twitter or other shows, what have you. And there are very few games where I just feel like I got cheated or I don't finish because if something bores me that much, I'm going to know right away. That's why I like to watch people stream games or get a demo if, there's a, if it's possible, like The Crew 2. It didn't bore me, but I knew the flying parts wouldn't do anything for me, so I'm skipping that game. Rather yeah. than me spending 70 bucks on a game that I know I'm not going to enjoy, or find out I'm not going to enjoy a couple hours in. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing, because right now, my biggest issue is a little bit of analysis paralysis. I get that often, where... I'm kind of home and I'm like, I want to relax and I want to figure out a thing to play. Um, but I don't know what that thing is that will fix the emotion that I need it to fill. And that's a really hard thing to try to figure out. Um, especially like you said, like limited time, like I come home and I want to spend time with my wife. I want to be able to hang out and get a little bit of alone time where I can kind of just zone out. Um, and it's been weird. Like my go-to games used to be, um, Paragon um, and No Man's Sky to kind of vibe out and chill out. Uh, but No Man's Sky is in a place where I don't necessarily want to play it yet because I want to get I want to wait for the new expansion to come out. Right. Um, and then like NBA 2K is a thing that that plays well, but it I can't play with my Knicks because they suck. And then also <laughs> I don't want to like it's a weird thing where you don't want to play with the best teams all the time yeah. either. Like oh, it's course. one of those things, and you definitely don't want to play online because everybody online plays like like they don't have no sense so it's like trying to find these in-between spaces of games that make you feel good but also give you that feeling of the thing that you need to to feel like you spent good time um in that in that space reef i'm kind of curious do you have any like go-to games at this point where you're like i need to feel like the time that i've spent has been good um i let me dig into this particular kind of game or this or this one game that i know will give me my fix Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Destiny has been my go-to game since the first one came out. Like, I don't play Destiny a ton, so I'm never going to be like, there's not enough to do, which I feel like has been the narrative about that game for people that play it heavy. But for me, I put like a couple hours into it a week, you know? So that's just enough time to do 
all the sort of weekly milestones and stuff. And I have a blast with it, you know? Like, I go in, I like do yeah. my stuff. I can tell if it's a game that I played eight hours a day that I would definitely run out of things like to do. But because I only put in just enough time to sort of get those things to, like, a, to like a level up, that's definitely my kind of go-to chill game. Um, and The Division was for a very long time as well. Um, mm. I play a little less of The Division nowadays, but... Um, for a long time, that was, that was a great game to, you know, as like my go-to. So like both of those are like kind of my, my go-to games. Also, I just have a bunch of like indie games on the switch that I kind of have been slowly going through. Um, and I just pick up just like one of those and just start playing it, you know? Um, or like a demo that I have as well. So, or a demo you picked up. Oh no, I I wanted to make sure I wasn't cutting Sharif off. Nope. Nope. Um, but when you said, you know, things that you play a couple hours like destiny i think that's part of it too because so many games are moving to that mode where and that model where you got to be like online you got to have your squad and if you don't have your squad you can't really progress Mm. and you know we're adults with with things to do i can't always be online for six hours a night even if gaming is part of what i do as a daily gig even if it's streaming or the podcast, or if I'm playing something to critique it, none of the people that I regularly play with got time like that. So mm. this this mode to either always on, or you got to have a squad of regular four to six to eight to ten people, you're not going to enjoy it because if I if I hop on Destiny and nobody's on, that I know I'm not going to team up with randos. That's one of those things too, where I feel like that's a thing that I hope our community can figure out too. Is because that's the thing that when I don't have people to play, I would love to play with listeners of the show. Like I'd love to play with folks from from the Spawn of Me community, from I Need Diverse Games community, from you know what I mean. So it's like I would love to be able to build that time in somewhere. And you know, if it's not baked into our schedules or you know even our Patreon supporters and stuff like that too, it'd be like, hey, here's a time where we can all get together and and commiserate and have fun and and hang out with that stuff. Uh, would be nice. It would be really cool to be able to do that part. But I get you on that part, Tanya, because it's it's difficult to like get a raid together at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Like it's not going to happen. Like it's not going to happen to be able to get a raid together. You have to like book that joint and put it <laughs> on your calendar and be like, "Yo, I got people who are who are going to raid and um and 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 come hang out and do that stuff." Um, one thing I want to po- I want to poke at from the article was. Um, Nathan having this conversation about the endings of games giving this kind of tepid feeling, this this like in between not great feeling about now you spent all this time with it and now you can't like there's no there's no like great feeling that goes along with that thing. It's not epic. It's not super sad or poignant. It's just kind of meh in the in the in the middle right there. I, I know that there's been some games like that of late. Um, I, I know. People are so mad. They're still mad at Detroit for for multiple reasons. Um, But it's weird. It's like one of those things where having people talk about that game um, in comparison to the run that I had in it for the particular uh, endings that I got, I left that game feeling okay. I was like, all right, this game is okay. It's not great. It's not a it's not a fantastic game. It's a it's a middling game for multiple reasons. But like my story because I'm probably not going to go back and go through the other threads because everybody has talked about the other threads felt okay. Mm-hmm. And there are other games that I played this year that didn't have great endings, but there, there are parts of it that I remember and will probably take with me. Are there games like that so far uh, in 2018 that have kind of given you either something to think about or games that you've kind of had that meh feeling about toward, you know, having completed it. I'll go to you, Tanya. Um, God of War gave me a lot to think about because I did not expect to feel as much as I did for this game or for Kratos or his kid. And yeah. I wasn't planning to pick it up, but my buddy had an extra copy and he was like, Hey, I bought this, uh, this bundle. I got an extra copy. Do you want it? And so I played it and I fit, I got sucked in and finished this game in like a few days, Yeah, which is hard for me to do. Cause I travel, we do this. And I still got content to go back and go do. And um, I, I, you know, for having grown up with God of War and played some of them and felt eh about those. Yeah. 
this game really got to me and partly partially because it was like about a parental relationship and mm. conversely i still haven't finished detroit become human because i tried to make a drinking game out of it i did not need to pass <laughs> out um that's funny and also i was just mad as mad as fuck about the game yeah and the lack and and this is gonna sound really terrible and bougie but the lack yeah. of critical response and analysis to the game where people like they're more interested in the beauty of the game and the other things and not thinking about the heavy handed allegory. And I know not everyone's going to critique games the same way I do, but it's just like, how, how did you play this game and not have any response to this very blatant stuff that's in like even the first couple of hours? I, I mean, I can, I can add to that conversation real quick. Um, I'm kind of burnt. Like I have a little bit of myself that's burnt on crit and that's honest. And it's because it's like, there are, when it comes to that particular game, especially I I can, I can wrap my brain around all the allegory stuff and, and, and see where it's, where it fails really badly and has all the things that we already knew were going to kind of be in it. Like, I didn't. I don't think anybody who played that game expected that game to be phenomenal in its story. We all know that David Cage is not a good writer. These are things that we. These are like known entities that people continuously get mad about that I just don't have the energy for. So I'm just like, I know that this was not going to be dope. So if it's not going to be dope and I'm playing it, what are the things that I can take from it that I know other people are already going to comment about or write about or make videos about? And it's like in a time personally where there's so much negative energy around everything. I'm trying to not look at things, not necessarily. I'm not saying I'm not looking at things with a critical eye because I am, but I'm trying to figure out the parts that are worth beefing about as opposed to the things that are known entities that I'm just not going to fall into the fall into the trap of re getting mad about everything. So it's like, that that part to me it doesn't for me doesn't do anything for my like my being or my energy like I can see that the magical negro thing is in there I can see how badly the 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 uh, the, the political discourse and the and the, the commentary about the civil rights movement stuff is in there and I can see that stuff and be like okay this is to me this is Grey's Anatomy people look at shitty stuff all the time yeah. and absorb it and give it the the due diligence and give it the the once over and give it the stuff but i'm like for me this game is not in the totality of all the stuff that we play that high of a thing to for me to feel like i need to be upset about to get that energy into the into the space so that that's just me but but why do you feel like you need to be upset about it like you can acknowledge the criticism and just be like i understand that that view is there but i still enjoyed the game from this aspect like like like, like well, why I do feel... you feel like you like like when you say you're burnt out on crit do you mean there's like a general opinion that you feel like you have to agree with kind of no thing? it's not a not even a have to agree with it just feels like it's more of the same conversation happening over and over and over again and that's because of course like the the games that are being made a lot of the same mistakes are being made constantly but it feels like at this point, I don't have an expectation for many for many people to get it right. So I'm not surprised when they get it wrong. So I'm just like, okay, I know that this David Cage joint is not going to be fucking smart. So I can try to pick I can try to pick all that apart, but it's a waste of energy because I knew it wasn't going to be good to begin with. It wasn't going to wasn't going to push me into this place where I had this expectation and then flipped it and was like, oh shit, I had an expectation for this thing to be great. And it disappointed me on all these levels that were because of all these things. So it's like the crit that's coming out is stuff that I'm like, I know you're going to write that. I know you're going to say that I can see the same angle that you're going to say. And I, and I I can agree with it, but there is this kind of like, um, it feels like in our, in our spaces, one feeling that's like, if you're not mad about this thing, there's something a little bit wrong with you. Well, why don't you see it? And it's, and I'm not going for mad. It, because you can be critical of a thing and not be mad. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm going to say it. The game made me real angry. I haven't finished it, but I did watch people play it because there's so many different routes you can take. Critique yeah. does not have to equal being mad about a thing. 
Because I think when you're angry about a thing, it's going to cloud your ability to criticize slash critique it. Because sure. I can critique something and still turn around and do it because all of us as black folks, if there were things that we got mad about and said, well, I'm not playing games no more, I'm not going to the movies, we'd be sitting at home twiddling our fucking thumbs right now. Yeah. Like, there wouldn't, sure. there wouldn't be a show because I, I think... I, I just want to be careful about saying being angry about it versus crit brain and being burned out on crit because sure. I can be tired of the same conversations. But as you said, it's also because people keep making the same exact mistakes. Sure. Um, yeah. Cause there are things like I saw today while getting the division because it was cheaper to rebuy the division on sale than to buy the season pass. There was like a bullshit Afro gangster dog emote you could buy for a dollar could i posted that to twitter and been mad about it sure but what was that going to do at the end of the day right versus a game that posits a lot of things and then tries to distance itself and say there's no message there's there's a difference there's things i'm mad about all the time that i just don't talk about because it's not worth my time yeah sure yeah i I think that's the thing that that i'm trying to poke at too right is like the the last sentence that you said is like we we see people making these same mistakes, but I feel like even in the critiques that we see, like we we knew that this was gonna be bad, and we people commented on the fact that it was bad. The 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 parts of it where he talked about or or the game posited all these things, but never came to and never came through on those things. Like we knew that this was gonna happen, though. So that's the reason why I'm so confused as to like like why people came out of it or came at it when it came out fully and it was in retail and had these takes that were just like, I am so offended by this thing and I hate this thing so much. And it's so just, it's so terrible and all this stuff. And I was like, did you not see the art? Did you not see the, 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 the waypoint article or the Austin Walker? Piece maybe they did when he spoke to them. Yeah, maybe but, they did. I mean, these are, but these are people, but these are people who are like in the industry. These are like people who we know who are writers and we know who are people who, who talk about these games and who know these, these things. I'm, I'm not going to assume that everybody sees all the stuff that I see, but I know that we all pretty much roam in the same circles. So like to see folks who are just like, this thing is the most terrible thing to have happened in games in a very long time because it does this, this, and this. And I was like, where have you been for the past eight to 12 months when half these things were already half talked about and then finally came, yeah. came out and were just as bad as you expected them to be? I mean, it's hard because there are some people that literally did not get it until they saw these moments in the game. And yeah, I know we're harping on Detroit Become Human, but it's like the most current egregious example of this. Yeah. I mean, there are people where I watch them. I literally saw the change on their face. They're streaming it as they saw these bullshit kumbaya moments and androids on the back of the bus. And they didn't know what to do. They were like, this is, they went there and they're trying to say it's not political. They had that light bulb moment literally while playing. Yeah. And, and like, I didn't get the sense that people were um, surprised as much as they were like, this is a product, the $60 product that was released and hyped. And I have a right to talk about how it is. I mean, I, I, I think you can do that regardless of expectations. Like as a, you know, somebody reporting on games, you still have a right to share what it is for somebody who might not have ever heard of David Cage or ever heard of any of the games and just going in. So I felt yeah. like that's what a lot of the coverage was about. It wasn't directed toward necessarily people that were super familiar with all the stuff kind of going on and had their expectations set because I agree. That's why I didn't buy the game. Cause I was like, well, I know what this is probably going to be. I'm going to wait to see what other people think. And I ended up just watching almost the whole game over Twitch and I was like, yeah. I'm glad I didn't buy. I'm glad I didn't buy that game, you know. So, so I feel like a lot of the, um, yeah, I just feel like a lot of the reporting was as it should be. Is this is what it is? So if you are not familiar with this stuff, like like this is like a somewhat objective view of what this product is. I mean, it's it's. I, I'm having a harder time of late, and this is honest. I'm having a harder time of late being able to absorb and to digest and to consume some folks's work because it is extremely dour. It always feels negative and it's not something in which I feel like the critical thought is there and the critical, the critical eye is there, but it never has the ability to, to, to look at some of the, 
parts of some of the games that people that they hate and be like, well, this is the thing that was done fairly well, or this is the thing that was, was of, of, of note that was not something that was terrible. It feels, it feels to me like in this hyper, hyper, um, uh, ah, damn it. I can't think of the word. Fuck it. It's, it's okay. Um, but it just feels, it feels like a lot of extra right now. That's, that's the only thing. And that, that part of it is a little bit weird. And I'm just like, I don't understand that part. Like I'm, I choose my, my mad is not as mad as most people's mad is. I kind of rationalize that stuff out in my head faster than it seems like a lot of folks do, but they hold on to it. And I just don't understand that part. Um, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to the second story, which is actually pretty dope. Um, it came from Heather Alexandria over again, over at Kotaku. Um, and it was a discussion about letting, uh, letting queer characters be happy, which I thought was really interesting. Um, they kind of talked about, she talked about the feeling that queer characters in the games that she's played over, over the years are always kind of set up to fail, set up to die, set up to be, you know, not, not given the ability to just live. Um, I'm sure we, as all black people on this show, we have seen that conversation be something that has been in the space for a very long time with our folks. Um, and I'm kind of curious for folks who, for everybody who read the article, um, and she kind of posited this on the back on the back of the first initial scene that we saw in the Sony conference from The Last of Us, where Ellie and uh, the young girl that she was uh, talking to or or dancing with, you can see that they had an embrace and that, that you know she worried that that character at some point because of the way that queer characters have been uh, uh, added to games and put in games that she's going to die or she's going to, she's going to be put into a really bad situation or circumstances because that's the way that many games treat queer characters. Um, I'd love to go around the table and, and kind of talk about that. Um, I want to start off with Tanya. Tanya, what are your, what are your thoughts about it? I don't know if you got a chance to read the article, um, but I read it and I fully expect that girl to die. It's terrible, yeah. but there's too many times where it's like, kill your gaze is the trope. And yeah. as someone who's bisexual, I don't even get to see I don't get to see representation, good representation, or characters that stay alive except for uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> You're right. Uh, You're right. So, yeah. I it'd be great if we could have happy characters. I mean, you know, there's all these mention of all these Bioware characters that I know back and forward. And, you know, especially when you have the, the, the gay character who's been kicked out of his house, who's running away and doesn't know how to love himself, when you have Anders... And there's just this long list of characters where it's like, none of these gay characters, queer characters, bi characters are happy. None of them have happy backstories. Like, why can't somebody just, like, come from a loving home and they join the resistance because they wanted to and they, or they find love or something? It's like, it'd be nice if I could find a gay character and, and get attached and think they might live to the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, right? It's like, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Reef, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like a lot of narrative I see think that they're doing the right thing because like they're they're like this is how we get you to care about this person is by mm. making them go through severe tragedy. Yeah, and you know it's something we've seen in every medium, but I think because there's not a lot of representation of different, um, you know different queer identities in like games, the fact that the majority, if not all of them go through a a tragedy is not good because like diversity means you don't only have the people in the game, but you have them have a diverse set of experiences. And I feel like that's where we get into trouble with queer characters, with, um, you know, with marginalized characters, with all kind of marginalized characters characters really but specifically queer characters yeah i i agree they either define them as you know their relationship and that's all you kind of know about them um right or you know or they're used to motivate you as a player by getting fridged or dying or like that kind of thing and i think it's lazy writing mm. and i think you know just have some. What do you? What do you? What do you? People do. I'm. I'm waiting till Shreve gets done. I. I know I made a face and a noise. I'm waiting till he gets done. <laughs> oh no, no no no! I'm. I'm. I'm done. No, I just. I cringe when I hear lazy writing. I think it's more indicative of who's not in the writers' room. 
versus mm. ac- actual lazy- laziness and maliciousness. Um, yeah. Because I do know a lot of game writers, and sometimes it's just they can put something in and it doesn't make the final cut. So I just always kind of cringe when I hear people use lazy when it comes to game development in any aspect of it. Um, and also, you know, y'all know I'm a big Bioware nerd. And... Right. No, really? <laughs> wait, till I find, wait till I see you again. Um, I'm going to see you Saturday, Sharif. Don't you start nothing. Um, or Sunday. Um but, you know, like, like tech Dorian's story. Right. Yes, a lot of people, some people hated it because they felt it was very stereotypical. But for yeah. a lot of people, that's the reality. Mm. Um, you know, it was, and I had a chance to talk to David Gator about writing the character. And, um, you know, when he talks about what it meant for him to finally write the character as a game. And I know people feel a way about David Gator. I'm not going to have that argument with folks. But for him to sit there and talk about how powerful that was and just be in the recording studio during the scene with his father, with the character's father, how he yeah. cried because he knew that that was reality for a lot of his friends. For me, that's mm. reality for a lot of my friends. Ooh, and while yeah. it's not perfect representation because you get one snippet of, of a gay character's experience, I also think people expect tragedy they cannot understand and see queer people as fully realized and happy because they've been sold mm-hmm. tragedy as our backstory for so long yeah that when you right. do have people telling authentic happy stories they actually tell them it's wrong that it's this isn't what your life is like when people try to write our own voices there'll be mm-hmm. white people who push back on on voices own voices stories and go well that's not what i believe or you know how are you this isn't what I know from the news or whatever. And, you know, it's hard. So you need more people in the writer's room. You need yeah. more people drawing these characters, voicing them. Because, you know, Dorian's one of the few characters of color. Um, is actually voiced by, by a voice actor of color. So it's, it's just who's voicing it, who's writing it, and who's reviewing this for diversity checks. That's something that a lot of yeah. people don't do. And I know I, I I pound on the industry and on Bioware specifically, but for Inquisition, they did their work. I mean, that's the thing too, right? Is like when you have folks who can be in those rooms with those folks and like, you know, take the stick and be like, yo, that was wrong. <laughs> like that stuff is necessary and needed, right? It's like one of those things where you have to be able to look at and take that critique and then see, you know, how can you change those stories and those narratives into ways that are more, more realized by the people who would be affected by those stories and being able to tell those things and putting them in the spaces where, again, it's like, you know, I, I think a lot of people, when they talk about, you know, even conversations around race, I, I tell people often, I was like, there's very, there's very few differences between, the actual experiences that I have and the ones that many white people have. I said, in general, our lives are fairly similar. The only differences are the power structures that we're both fighting or that, that we're fighting while they may not be. And it's like those, those changes are very, very different. And those are the reasons why we ha- we're in the circumstances that we're want- that we wound up and find ourselves in. But like everyday shit that we go through is the same shit that everybody goes through. Cause we're just human beings. Right. And it's like to share a just a just human being story. Those are the things that I kind of love the most when you can kind of put those things on the table and, and show the nuance of a life and show the, you know, the, the, the mundane parts of a life. Those things don't really work well in game format, but like stuff that's like life is strange. I was like, I would love that game to be set in a place that was not in the Pacific Northwest in a place where more black people are or more brown people are so that you can share the stories of those folks um, in that same space. Right. Yep. Because there are different, there are different experiences in that, in that space that, that lend themselves well to the game and also to the narrative. Um, Reef, you have any, any, any other quick thoughts on, on that? No, no, no. Just, just, uh, just do better. I mean, that's really yeah. what it is. Do, um, Tanya, are there any folks that that we see this in like the AAA space where they get this wrong a lot? Mm-hmm. 
does it feel like the indie space just because there's more ability to kind of not have to worry about the usual trappings of a triple a game like oh we need to make sure this game has a crazy budget and we, we we have this crazy roi on our game do you feel like the indie market is doing better in that space from this from the stuff that you've seen and, and kind of had a chance to kind of consume um yes and no because a lot of times i'll run into indie folks who let's face it the indie space is still very much bearded white dude um, yeah. I, you know, I know more creators of color in the indie space, but not that many more. And a lot of times they want to do the right thing and they just don't have the budget for a diversity consultants or mm. they do what they know. And then what they know is always a stereotype. Um, you know, like we are Chicago. They meant well. Mm. Um, but that game was a whole lot of stereotyping, even though they got diversity consulted. So... Right. I, I want to say indie tries more and um, games like it will be hard that just came out. That was a Kickstarter game. Do things like body diversity, gender diversity very well because of the creator. Not yep. so much. Um, not so much because it's strictly an indie game. So I, I'll give indie a slightly better score quote unquote on that but they still need to do a lot better yeah yeah i'm hoping that you know gdoc is coming up soon uh game developers of color i know that there are folks in that space um who who fit into many of the, the many of the venn diagram of being an lgbtq space and also being a people of color space i'm really interested to see what games come out of that conference because they do a fairly good job of both giving people spotlights who don't have spotlights and also being able to look at it from a kind of 10,000 foot view and be able to give people um, a little bit more of an ability to kind of share the stories that they feel are more um, important and not uh, the ones that you usually kind of see, which is, which is fantastic. And I'm hoping that that's a thing that happens more often um, in the spaces that we currently roll in and then hopefully in some new spaces as well. Um, so we're going to take a quick break step aside uh we're gonna go get some water uh, as they say in boston because uh, that's what they do over there they get some water uh and we'll be right back after this hey spawn on me listeners this is the crew of the optional podcast coming to you each week from new york city where we host a show all about the latest in video games and entertainment our podcast is on a mission to highlight more voices of color and games media we represent those who love the art form but don't fit in with the gamer status quo so be sure to check us out at theoptionalpodcast.com. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and YouTube. We're not your typical gaming podcast. This is video game commentary for the rest of us. And welcome back to episode 243 of the Spawn Me podcast. Thank you, everybody, for coming and hanging out with us in Twitch land and podcast land. We have one more story before we get up out of here for this episode, and it is one that has been really interesting and i've seen a lot of people with takes about this um we see that there's been a lot of chatter over there between nintendo and microsoft about cross-platform play if you remember late last year there were some conversations about coming from phil spencer and some other folks too about let's open up the platforms let's make sure that everyone can kind of play where they are uh when game pass became a thing uh, when there was another service that became a thing, like right towards the end that kind of allowed people to cross play and other stuff like that. It might've been a game as well. I can't just remember which Rocket one it was. League. Rocket League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocket League. Thank you. Um, and now we're seeing this conversation pop up again, but with the biggest game right now on the planet, Fortnite, which is really interesting because everyone knows that Fortnite is now on the Switch. Folks can play that game with folks, I believe, on the Xbox. Yeah, Xbox, but, PC, phone. Xbox, PC, phone. You cannot do that if you're on a Sony platform. And people are upset because I, you have to make a new account if you haven't made a new account. Go ahead, Tanya. Oh, no, I was just thinking about Paris. Oh, forget Paris. Yo, screw that dude. Wow. Man. F that dude. Yo, Man. F that dude. I hope I hope you lose all your your destiny and your and your division saves off the cloud. I hope the cloud burns up, and I hope you ain't never get no games in with any of your stuff. I love you, Paris Lily. Um, wow, I'm I'm telling. 
Yeah, that, I, I that just, was I, that I, was I, only Ka that reflected only. <laughs> the, the, the feelings of Khalif Adams do not reflect the ones of the guests who spawn on me. What what do you what are your thoughts about this this like first of all, the fact that other companies are doing this cross platform play in real ways and secondarily because Sony is like kinda trying to just like wave this thing off. And be like, yo, we don't want to really tell, we don't want to deal with this because this opens us up for a lot of stuff. What are your, what are your thoughts about this, Reef? The crossplay, I'm not as much bothered with. I feel like Sony has a right to protect their whatever. If if like to me, that's just a loss on them. Like if they're like, we want to keep you in the ecosystem. That's what every company's been doing forever. So the fact yep. that they're late with that, I don't mind as much. What I do mind, though, is the fact that if your Epic account has ever signed mm. in on the PS4, even once, and you never use it again, then it's blocked from ever signing in on any other platform. That, to me, is ridiculous. And I don't understand what they're getting out of that. Like, you know, and this includes if you've paid for that Battle Pass, you know, and, and you've actually put money into the game obviously you want to continue you know with your account so if it was just the crossplay thing i feel like that would suck but you know that same thing came up with rocket league and with minecraft because that was another thing where like when like minecraft came out on the switch it was like you can crossplay with the xbox and the pc but not with you know with the uh ps4 and like everybody was like okay and even this yeah. even this even this like fortnite fortnite thing came out when the Xbox version came out and you couldn't cross play with that on the PS4. But a lot of people that didn't really get a lot of burn because, you know, you can't do it with most multiplayer games that are cross platform. Like you can't cross play. So right. it's really though that that locking of your account, even if you signed in at any time, it just mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. And that's what I'm kind of pissed about. Because while yeah. I don't play a lot of Fortnite, I know a lot of people play a lot of Fortnite. It is one of those things that is beyond video games. It is like the Wii Sports kind of, you know, yeah. of uh, this generation now. Like, so the fact that this story has been, like, I saw it on like CNN, you know, like them. Yeah, yeah. Kind it's of talking about rock this. thing right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they really, really need to fix this. I don't know if they can. I mean, I'm like, it might be something way tied in with the way that their network works or something like that. So it might not be a quick fix, or I feel like they would have probably done it. Yeah. But I don't see any any positives coming out of this. I mean, like when you got people like Greg Miller tweeting, like, at PlayStation <laughs> account, like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's just bad, bad, bad all around for them. And they, I hope they can get it moving on this because yeah this is just i know they're ahead in the console race and they will be ahead and they're making tons and tons of money but why get the bad press like what is this doing for you guys like just nothing nothing positive yeah yeah tanya what are your thoughts about sony kind of locking itself out of all the fortnite fun getting everyone together well if i was a big fortnite player i'd probably be a lot more upset about it because you know, if you've done all this progression, you played all this Fortnite, and it's like, oh, well, I can't play it on this other console I own. That's a little silly. Mm. Um, and especially if they make you get a whole new account, you basically have to start from scratch if you've already been a big player of it. But I'd also like Epic to not send me emails like every two days if somebody's trying to break in my account. <laughs> that I barely yeah, I get. That, those too. And I'm just <laughs> like, you can't keep my account safe on the platform I signed it up on, signed up on. Why should you be so worried about me trying to log in on Nintendo's platform? Because it's not the same experience. But if I've spent money, if I've spent time, let me log in across all platforms. That makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to see how they how they've kind of positioned themselves in this. Um a quote from Sean Layden, president and CEO of Sony Entertainment, uh Interactive Entertainment. He told Eurogamer in a report or in a um in an interview, excuse me. Uh, that they're listening to the players is that they're looking into a lot of possibilities. You can imagine that with the circumstances around that affect a lot more than just one game. Uh, he says he's confident that they'll find a solution and, and they'll be, uh, that they'll understand and accept uh, that the gaming community will understand and accept uh, while at the same time supporting their business. 
And that's basically the end of that for now. Um, it feels like Sony is kind of just like waiting. They're like, all right, we're going to kind of wait this out to see if this is a thing that is wanted for real, for real. And people, if they're still upset about it, maybe they'll do something. Like we saw this conversation happen with when it came to backwards compatibility, where it was a thing that when Xbox touted it, everyone was like super hyped for it. And, and Sony was like, that's old tech. We don't want it. Um, but I, I will be interested to see if they do get this done, what this actually does mean in terms of the thing that I feel most people would really love to see in their lifetime is to be able to play against people on another platform in that same way. There's especially the big two. Um, that would be monumental because then that just opens up so many cool possibilities and opportunities for so many different games that would be coming out later to be like, yo, I could squat up with folks from, you know, the Xbox side or from the Sony side when I play Red Dead or some other stuff or, you know, it would be dope to be able to kind of lose some of those those barriers that we've seen been in the space, be in the space for a very long time and open up the communities in ways that um, will probably be good. We know more than likely they'll be shitty because uh, <laughs> humans just do shitty stuff, but it would be really cool to see how that plays itself out. Do you think that uh, before we go, one last question, do you feel like this is Sony kind of stunting the growth of the online space in some way by not getting on board with this. Tanya, I want, I want to leave that last question with you first. Hmm. I, I think it's interesting because, um, you know, I was, I was listening to our, our friends and fam over GTR talk about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting because Sony is outstripping the Xbox in terms yeah. of sales. Yeah. But Fortnite's a free game. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're losing revenue by letting me have the same account across multiple platforms. In fact, you might actually make more money because mm-hmm. there maybe there's a Nintendo Switch exclusive, and I have it on one account. I have it on the same account, but it only works on Switch or it only works on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. It's just it seems like a really odd move yeah. to to cut off a part a population that has spent so much time and money on this product where you, because for me, it's like, okay, I've got an Epic account. I've played Fortnite a couple times, but do I want to start from zero on another, on another platform? No. Yeah. yeah. You know, if I got really into it, if I, again, for me, it's, I haven't spent enough time on Fortnite to care that I would have to make a whole other account, but a lot of people have, a lot of people have spent hours and hours on Fortnite on whatever console or PC they're playing. Mm. And for me not be able to just log into my Epic account elsewhere, that's ridiculous. Like, my Ubisoft account is the same no matter where I log in. I seem to have the right version for where I'm playing. Yeah. To me, it's just, it's stupid. And it feels like it's throwing money out. Reef, what are your, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, I think, you know, I don't think they're stunting the growth. Um, but I do think that come the Xbox, which might actually be the infinite, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe C is up to something. Maybe that's why they called it Halo Infinite. Maybe the next console oh, will be the infinite and the PS5. I think that there's going to be some serious, um, there's going to be some serious looks if there's not cross play on these major games, like, like if, if, if if like whatever the Overwatch of that era is, if that game is in crossplay, I think it's going to be an issue. Like whatever the destiny of that era is, um, so I think it's something that you know they've been chipping away at, and and people forget the ones that currently have crossplay are major major games. Rocket League is a major game. Like we might not hear about it a lot now, but this yeah. was a game that has its own esports like uh, division. You know, and has been just downloaded tons and tons of times, and really thanks to PS Plus, you know, like that, like that's what really got it in a lot of people's hands. Minecraft is one of the largest, largest games ever, and is used for education, and is huge with like uh, kids, you know, and like all that stuff. So it almost makes sense for Fortnite to follow that motto as the large game. Now, I think that these large games uh, come the next gen will almost have to have it. I think the pressure now is 
too great. As I said before, um, I don't buy that we need to protect our business with this case because I don't see people saying, well, you know, I have, I was going to buy a PS4 to play Fortnite, but now that I can log in with my account, I'll keep my Xbox. Like, I don't know what these scenarios that they're thinking of where they're actually losing money. I do believe this is some kind of financial issue where they're saying like, this is going to cost us money if we do it. Um, and yeah. yes, yes, it would cost resources. I'm sure they'd have to dedicate a, you know, a network team to, you know, do whatever to make the changes. But I think that they're thinking somehow this is going to cause, you know, less people on their network and less people seeing their ads and less people, you know, paying for, you know, uh, for like PlayStation uh, Plus to, to, you know, do the multiplayer and stuff. There has to be some calculation that, that they're doing that where we're, we don't have access to those numbers, obviously, because otherwise it just makes no sense. Um, so, uh, again, I'm hoping that this is like the last vestiges of this and when we get to these new consoles that 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 we're not even going to have this conversation anymore. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping that this is a thing that um cuz again like I just want to use my skins everywhere I go. I know that was an old 90s reference. That's not about sex, it's about Fortnite skins. Oh, uh, but I want to use my skins in, in every platform because that's the main thing for me. My stats suck. I suck at the game. I just want to look cool on all the platforms that I play the damn game on. That's the thing that actually matters for, I think, most people um, when it comes to this particular issue with this particular game. I would love to see how this would work because it would be dope if we could get, you know, Division 2 on everyone's, you know, everyone playing together. I don't have to think about, you know, do you have this friend code or do you have this thing or do I have to jump over to my PS, you know, my PC or my, or my Xbox or this thing. We could just get together in a, in a room and just figure it out. Um, yeah, and, and, so and, 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 and that's just like one, one, one last point. That's the crazy thing about Fortnite too is when you're playing Switch and all these other consoles, you're all on the same voice chat. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. like... I thought maybe it would be cross-play and then you got to hop on Discord and do whatever, but you're all in the same voice chat. So, yeah, yep. it's just, I, I, I need this for Overwatch. I need this for Destiny. Yeah. I need this for Division. All these big co-op, you know, with this, like, Fallout kind of 76 with all these big, like, co-op things and games like uh, Anthem and stuff. I would love it for that. Absolutely love it. Yeah. It, um, and, and kudos to Epic for getting the tech into the game to be able to do all that stuff too, which is, which has been something that I don't think a lot of people have given them enough props about getting mobile and all these other things together to be able to play this stuff in a fairly good way. Um, uh, before we get up out of here, uh, reef, can you give folks at home the social media business, please? Sure. Spawn on dot me, the website, uh, that has links to all the stuff, um, including our bios, past episodes, all that good stuff. Uh, on, on Twitter, you can find us at Spawn on Me. Um, on Facebook, you can find us Spawn on Me as well. Instagram, Spawn on Me Podcast. If you want to send us an email, Spawn on Me Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast version, remember that we stream this show live on Thursdays um, at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 10.30 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. Um, and if you want to take your support to the next level and and help us improve our um, hardware and like software, as well as help us cover conferences like we just did E3, then go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash spawn on me. And there's all kind of bonus stuff. There's like uh, videos and there's also access uh, to our premium podcasts as well. Um, so, yeah, hit us up there. Word, we talked about immigration on the last uh, episode of So Mad, uh, which was really good and got a lot of um, people talking and a lot of folks who were excited about the conversation there. Uh, if you're on Twitch, shout out to everybody out there. And please, if you have your Twitch Prime uh, and you have not given it to someone, please, we would love to take it. and We would love to hold your dollars for 30 days. That would be fantastic, and your subscription would be greatly appreciated uh, because it's free. If you have Amazon Prime, uh, you get Twitch Prime stuff for free that you can give out to any stream that you would love to do. Uh, 
Um, word, we're going to get up out of here again. Thank you for hanging out with us this week and every week. We love you all. And we're going to say peace. Peace. peace.